The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Today we are going to be talking about um, language and culture and how one informs the other. And we've actually got a special guest on our show, which we're really excited about. We are joined by linguist and PhD student, Ali Mitchell. Say hello, hello. Ali. Hi, Ali. Hi. <laughs> Ali's come all the way from Buffalo to come on our show. Can you believe it? <laughs> I mean, that was the sole purpose of the visit, That's obviously. Right. What I a cute escaped this the is. massive snowstorm. <laughs> um, and I'm hosting for today. And if you haven't listened to our show before, my name is Catherine, or also known as Peanut. I'm Lucy. I'm Lily. I'm Emma. Ali, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about um, yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm a PhD student in linguistics at the University at Buffalo, which is in New York, for those of you that don't know, and very far away from New York City. As Lucy knows, as she's got an eight-hour train from New York City to come see me. Oh, I have. And I tell you, the train is a very comfortable way to travel for those who prefer not to fly. <laughs> <laughs> For those who have panic attacks on the plane, the train is preferable. I have to go on special BA run courses for people afraid to fly in simulators. There was no simulator. It was a real flight. Anyway. Continue, please. Tell us about your linguistic journey. Okay, so um, I'm, for my dissertation, I'm studying a language called Datoga, which is spoken in northern Tanzania. And the interesting thing about this language, well, one of the many interesting things, is that it has what's called an avoidance register. So if you're a married woman, you have to avoid um, a very large set of your in-laws' names. So you have to avoid the name of your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, all their, all their brothers and sisters. Um, but the twist is that you also have to avoid any ordinary words that sound like those names. So for instance, if your father-in-law was called Tom, then you couldn't say tomato, you couldn't say tomato timer, Lucy. You'd have to come up with some other way of, of expressing that concept. Um, you couldn't say tomorrow, you couldn't say anything that started with Tom or To. Tomahawk. Um, exactly. Tom Thumb. <laughs> all, all of these would be ruled out. So this is um, part of a kind of wider avoidance behaviour that, that women practice towards their in-laws as a, as a way of showing respect. Um, so they also, there's, there's things like they can't look directly at their in-laws and they can't touch them and um, they also can't eat in their presence and this kind of thing. But I'm studying the um, the linguistic stuff and the, the way that they kind of get around this particular constraint. And how do they get around that? That sounds like quite a, a very difficult undertaking. Right, it and does. And surely some names present bigger difficulties than others. So I should make it, so I should say that names in Datoga are based on um, ordinary objects or events or actions. So someone could actually be named Tomato. Um, they're not, obviously, because they're not very familiar with tomatoes. But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so people are named after, like if they were born when it was raining very heavily, they might be named after rain. Or but that's be... it. There, wasn't there a childbirth thing as well? Yep. So yeah. uh, quite a few children have have names, which we find quite strange from a Western perspective, which which relate to the suffering of the woman once she was in childbirth. So you can you find people called tears and misery and stuff like this. Is that like a badge of honour having a difficult birth, or is it more just in recognition of what they've undertaken, so, like a yeah. mark of respect to the mother, something? like that I mean it's uh it's pretty common that they have difficult childbirths um, yeah so yeah so the way they get around it is there's this kind of conventional alternative vocabulary they can use so um 
they if they have to avoid the word water, for instance, which is big in Datoga, there we go, we can all learn a Datoga word. Big. big. Very good. Um, then they'll, most often they'll say garbabanga. That's a long winded So this word is is like an invented word. Um, it's based on the. It's got a root meaning cold um, and wet. And so it's not wet, just cold. <laughs> but then then there's another there's another word you can use if so. If you might not be able to say garbabang either, right? Because that also might sound like one of the taboo names. So then there's another alternative. You could say dalilonga. Um, and if you couldn't say that either, you could say halatk. So you've got four words for water. And everyone kind of has to understand all of these words because, you know, it's quite a common thing that you might want to talk about. Um, so sometimes they just replace a sound in the word. So instead of tomato, you'd say pomato. Then then, it's, oh, okay. then it becomes sneaky. acceptable. It's quite sneaky. Um, or you can just use like a, a get around it somehow, like saying red fruit. Or um, you, okay. can, you can use a borrowed word. So you could use Swahili or something. What what are the ramifications if you say the word? So it's quite um, embarrassing, I think. So women have these beaded necklaces they wear that I think they get when they're married. And if they accidentally say one of these taboo names or words, then they bite on the necklace to show that they they're didn't ashamed. mean to do it, that they're ashamed. And then everyone's like, OK, never mind. So does that mean that like these, this language has a much smaller vocabulary than, I don't know, for example, English? Because if we had to replace so many words we would struggle and if everyone had to know like four different words for each word that they know well it would simultaneously mean that it has a smaller like smaller fewer amount of concepts yes. but yeah more bigger, words. More bigger words. vocabulary yeah, yeah bigger vocabulary yeah, yeah i mean if you include the avoidance register in the dictionary for instance then yes you've got like four words for every single concept that we would have so yeah it does result in quite a large vocabulary which is interesting and so when you're talking about the idea of you have say four different words for water Everyone would need to know those, but some of them might not. You might, you yourself might not be able to use them, but yeah. other people might be able to. So, if you could, as a woman, you have a conversation with a friend who has different family units, and you both use your own word and you understand it, but you keep saying your own word and you kind of tacitly acknowledge to each other that you're using words that the other person can't use, or would you sort of slip into using another alternative to I sort of share? A bond together. So you've picked on picked up on something that's quite interesting about it that it's like unique to the woman, or at least so this society is polygamous, so there's um, often co-wives who all all use the same avoidance words. But um, generally, yeah, from household to household, they might be using a different set of avoidance words, or they will, or they will mm. be because there's different names. Um, I think they they would just pick their own word that they would use and they would just okay. stick with it. Um, although my plan is to record people um in j just talking in various different contexts and kind of see how their usage of the avoidance mm. register might change yeah. depending on who they're talking to because i think part of why you have a language is to find common ground mm -hmm. so the idea of if you were say making friends with someone unless perhaps it's a society where it's much more valued to be part of a kinship group but what if you just wanted to make friends with someone who was not mm -hmm. a relative it would make sense how i would imagine it to bond by kind of finding common ground in that way yeah so that's almost like a bit of a barrier isn't it to kind of maybe yeah well one um recording i made i noticed that the husband actually used the avoidance word for something so it's possible that everyone actually picks up on these alternative words and uses them as a kind okay. of like you know special family dialect 
for the reason that you say, like it's a it's a kind of in group. It links thing. together. Yeah. Yeah. Out of interest, how many languages have this kind of avoidance register? Is this quite unique to the Togo? It's, it's very unusual, but there are a couple of other examples. So um, there's a very very similar phenomenon in um, the some of the languages in South Southern Africa. Um, in the Nguni languages of Southern Africa. And then there's a pretty similar thing in Ethiopia, although most of these are, are pretty endangered now. And then a lot of Australian Aboriginal languages have the taboo on saying your in-laws' names, but they don't. it's not quite as extensive. It doesn't. It's not all the related words as well. So is this something that's kind of ongoing, a traditional thing? Is it something that's dying out? Like, what's the status? Yeah, so my sense is that it's, it's probably not going to last many more generations um there's quite a few datoga that are becoming christian and um getting educated and they don't really practice this anymore i think avoiding the name of your father-in-law is kind of standard in a lot of african cultures so i imagine the name avoidance will continue but the the whole lot you know the whole avoidance register thing is yeah probably not we sort of have avoidance in english so not saying for example, fucking to your mum. Mm-hmm. That sort of that's, that's more. That's more. We used to have avoidance in English until <laughs> until, until I came on the radio. Yeah, um, but saying it, for example, in front of a, a class of children, I wouldn't say, "Oh, fucking hell." Mm-hmm. Whereas I would say that to you on the radio. But what's the reason? Is that is that like out of deference? Because I guess this it is, is out, out of deference. Yeah, well, it's, it's not really. I don't think it's deference. It, it, there is a, there is a notion of respect in it. I guess when I'm doing that, you say something like, "When I was little, people always my mum would go, oh sugar, like that yeah. type of thing, where you're deliberately like, there's a word that everyone knows means something. Like everyone knows sugar means shit. Yeah. Like, you say wait that what? As a, <laughs> 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 but yeah, I well that made me think a bit about um, like. I suppose what you're talking about is um, being polite, like informal mm-hmm. or formal language, yeah, but also, yeah. so, which I suppose in our society isn't just around your family, but also more about, say, work or mm. um, like children and kind of age appropriate things. But also, I suppose that brings to mind like slang and um, just language, which maybe comes from, um, I don't know, like the way that we use the internet now, things like saying lol or whatever, like things like that. That's a whole different um, set of words and meanings that some people wouldn't understand. So do um, the people that you're studying, did, is there kind of like slang that younger people would use as well? Or is this basically their, is this their equivalent? That's the only f- informal language comes about by being separated by gender and no, marrying I'm pretty, in. I haven't looked, at, looked into this at all, but I'm pretty sure there's a... There's, I mean, yeah. young people everywhere speak differently from yeah. their elders. And there's a lot of um, special youth registers in, in on the African continent more more widely. Um, like there's a famous Swahili, English, and probably blending other languages register called Sheng in Nairobi and mm-hmm. stuff like this. So, yeah, I, mean, I think even amongst us, right, we use a lot of abreaves, or at least some of us do. Um, <laughs> abreave. So, you know, we we come up with these words that are like in-group language um you know elder people can't understand them like yolo that's my current favorite yolo does anyone yolo. have any and any favorites any faves <laughs> what about your one mdj that's a new fave for me mdj <laughs> which i've never heard before and i'm never gonna use I made, sure. I made it up oh i see well but you know what up, now we're kind of we're putting it out there and as a uh, young women we are the kind of proponents of new linguistic styles is that's, that not correct? Are we? that's right that's right emma so 
there's um, a general consensus in linguistics that women are the leaders of language change. Um, so I think Emma had some examples of this. I did have some, but I'm going I'm to try and do them. Actually, if you were listening to the show before, the um, presenter, you would have heard him doing a lot of vocal fry. That, that was good? quite that good, was actually. Good, yeah. 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 It was quite difficult. That was, that was very good. Like, um, if you lower your pitch and you talk a bit like this. Yeah. Uh, is that like creaky. my sexy creaky voice? voice yeah. that I no. Now <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of doing it now. No, that's yeah, breathy. no, that's breathy. Oh, yeah, this is like, like, uh, like this. Like, like a toad. You're listening I want to get out of bed. Very loose women. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. And that's a big one that I guess people like Kesha and Britney Spears are big into. No, it's no, not actually. Uh, as a number one Kesha fan, I'd say that's not. So is it a dominance thing? Because when you do, say, like, public speaking or gravitas training, which I had to do for work. What is gravitas training? Personal gravitas and charisma. <laughs> and Are you, were you lacking in charisma? Yes, that's what they said. Catherine, you're lacking charisma. We don't want to employ you unless you go on this course. Um it kind of was Sorry, based around acting. I am joking. I'm joking. It's bad that you couldn't tell, isn't it? <laughs> Come we've on. Off, we've often no, thought she saying, lacks charisma. I was saying you drinks. I was so amazed that they um, would think that. So it was basically around uh, how to use your voice and your body language to influence and negotiate with people and have natural authority. But those kind of acting techniques, like how to speak in a way where you don't sound strained, where you sound calm and authoritative, how to deal with someone who's uh, maybe being very stressed and try and calm them down in a non-verbal way. That stuff, I was thinking with what you could eat, verbal fry. Vocal fry, Fr- yeah. Vocal so fry, there's... is it like a dominance thing? of Because when you lower your voice, Often, when you're stressed, you get high pitched. So if yeah. you lower your voice and you slow down, you're making yourself seem dominant. Although Britney Spears wasn't really doing that. Well, in I think that there's video. a couple of different things because I read some things and Ali said some different things. And I think some of it is like, yeah, trying to kind of make yourself sound more authoritative because you're speaking in a lower voice, or even to convey a kind of boredom, like, yeah, this is great, oh, like you know, kind of and kind of showing like that Sorry. kind of thing. But Ali yeah. had some other stuff about it. Well, so I think on. On the one hand, um, if someone like Britney Spears uses vocal fry, then other young women who aspire to be like Britney Spears pick up on this and then they just start doing it because just because of the associations with that sound of, mm. you know, wherever it originated, it's just, it's just you know, imitating people that you want to be like. But, um, yeah, the interesting thing about this claim that women um, are the leaders of linguistic change is this has really only been studied in Western cultures. So mm. it's, you know, I don't know whether that the same would be true with the, the language that I'm studying or elsewhere in the world. But I think it's quite interesting that that seems to be a kind of pattern because there's like vocal fry and there's up talk, mm-hmm. which I guess we all, I'm gonna, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I try can. and to do it all the time, um, which is something we all do. Yeah, that was good. Oh, yeah. Um, no. Oh, yeah. Do we all do yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> I think we do. Um, but it's quite interesting because that's another one where I guess it's kind of like, it's a way of making yourself maybe seem a bit like you're unsure of yourself or but also a way of kind of it's being seeming like yeah but it's also mm-hmm. a way of like seeming like you're asking a question when you're really telling someone yeah. something like the example I read was talking about um they studied it a lot in sorority girls mm-hmm. Ali was telling us there's a whole book about up talk yeah, and sorority girls yeah. and um kind of saying things to the sorority girls like you know if you're like a leader saying things like so we need to have everyone there this Thursday. No, I can't do it. It's really that difficult. was, oh, yeah. that was good. Yeah. Or like, um, no. you know, because it's a big meeting, so it's really important. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you're kind of saying to them, like, you better be there. But you're kind of saying it in a way where you're mm. a bit more manipulative. So again, it's a sort of politeness thing. Like, you're not commanding them to do something. It's like everyone you're... then nods in agreement and I you think, get some yeah. affirmation. It's like, sure, it's also kind of a, maybe a way of showing you're on the same level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, there was also another person who was talking about, they did a study, they worked at like a juice bar and they were like noticing everyone who, like they saw, they did a tally of like who was using UpTalk and they said the biggest, like they were a linguistic student um, but they also had a part-time job um, and they said that the highest users of UpTalk were fathers of young daughters. <laughs> so I guess it's kind of a way of saying like we're on the same level, I'm a friendly yeah. guy but you better do this. And isn't that, Do you want this orange juice? Isn't that What's also or- when you speak to babies you kind of have a higher pitch like all adults well I think is this right all adults this is like like, again a cultural thing so so baby talk in different cultures differs totally but yeah I mean in western cultures we tend to you know use really inane language and And high pitch pitch as a kind of I suppose to get your attention I think is part of what it is with a baby to make them listen yeah Mm -hmm. and I can imagine with like a girl if you're treating a young um, male child differently from a female child maybe you're kind of being less authoritative and a bit more um, kind of softer with Mm -hmm. a young girl so you'd be more inclined to kind of use the sort of high pitched Mm -hmm. questioning tone maybe we should do would you (laughs) I keep on doing it when it's actually a question and I think it's completely appropriate when it's a question so that's wrong Um, is there are there any actual theories as to why so why women are maybe leading these kind of vocal changes? Well, I guess one theory is that women are actually more insecure in their social identity. So, In Western cultures? In Western cultures, yeah. So um, you often find that um, the sort of... The, pop, the section of the population that language change happens the most rapidly in is the lower middle class. So supposedly that's a kind of insecure group um, and they're going to change their the way they speak to sound more like you know the middle middle class um, and supposedly women in particular will do this whereas men um, they, they they kind of associate um, prestige with actually speaking more like a working class man for whatever reason and women um, aspire to move up classes so it's mm. it's kind of to do with their own ideologies but then of, why would why would language change? according to what the women are doing, because it's 50-50. Maybe the women are talking more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that the idea is that women are kind of using more innovative language, at least, Mm. whether, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever that relates to. So I guess they're leading with innovation, Mm -hmm. so people are following that, whereas men aren't doing that. Oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I guess, like, I looked at some reasons as well, and what they talked about was trying to kind of assert your power within Mm -hmm. a culture where you're not Mm. the dominant sex I guess yeah um, and also the fact that women are put well according to this study women are more sensitive to social, social interactions so they might be adopting like more subtle cues mm-hmm. to kind of maybe mm. manipulate or to present themselves in a certain way or whatever yeah, yeah. those are a lot of generalizations though oh yeah about, definitely but so but they're just theories as to why yeah. it could be if, mm-hmm. when you yeah. pose the question and why? I suppose you can also think about if you have a community in a particular area where, say, a certain number of people kind of um, identify as being part of the same group and they live together quite closely, you can then obviously form a sort of subculture. So you end up having a dialect in that particular area. And they may be people who feel kind of um, different to people around them and they sort of group together. So you get all kinds of, I don't know, what you could, like a kind of a lingo, for example, or mm-hmm. a dialect or... Um, something else which is linked to that culture mm-hmm. and that could be um i don't know like say um people in a particular area or linked well, by an interest or just a pastime as well um i think though on our topic of uh, today's show it's time for a little less conversation so we're going to finish up here 
and <laughs> say goodbye. Um, it's great to be back on air, obviously. Um, and we will uh, speak with you next week. Thank you so much, Ali, for coming thank on the you. show. Oh, Sorry we didn't get more into me. it, but thanks very much. I back. think we should all Please say see. goodbye in a different language. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you start. Oh, you're going to take it. Okay, I'm going to go hi, hi. Say, Jen. Au revoir. Auf Wiedersehen. Arrivederci. Auf Wiederhören. That's what you say when you're on the phone, so radio. <laughs> Good night. Night, Good night. night Thanks for listening. For full versions of our shows, check out verylosewomen.wordpress.com. This programme was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.